And welcome back to the Word Encounter, episode 70. We concluded uh, yesterday in 2 Kings chapter 4, so let's pick it up in chapter 5 and verse 1. Naaman, uh, a commander of the army for the king of Aram, was a man important to his master and highly regarded because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. The man was a valiant warrior, but he had a skin disease. In verse 2, Aram had gone on raids and brought back from the land of Israel a young girl who served uh, Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, if only my mistress, uh, if only my master were with the prophet who was in Samaria, he would cure him of his skin disease. And so they had gone on raids. Apparently raids were common in the day. David went on raids. Raids weren't full scale wars. They were just going to cities and plunder them and take what they wanted and leave. <clears throat> and so apparently they were in the habit of doing this. And on one of the raids, uh, um, they brought back an, uh, an Israeli girl. And when she found out uh, the plight of her master, she says, look, well, I know a prophet in Samaria, if only he was there. And so, so that news came to the king, and the king sent a letter uh, to the king of Israel saying, look, go, go with my servant. Uh, here's my servant, uh, my servant, Naaman, and, um, you know, he's got the skin disease, so cure him. And so the king of Israel, in verse 7, he says, when the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and asked, am I God? killing and giving life that this man expects me to cure a man of his skin disease. <laughs> so the king of Israel is like, well, I'm not a doctor. Who am I? Why, why are you sending me this letter? Well, you trying to trick me. You trying to go to war with me. I mean, what's going on? Recognize that he is only picking a fight with me. And so this is the king of Israel wondering why are they sending him this letter in verse eight. When Elisha, the man of God heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, he sent a message to the king. Why have you torn your clothes? Have him come to me, and he will know there is a prophet in Israel. And so Elisha's kind of indignant about this. What, why, why are you acting like this is something hard to do? Send them to me. In verse 10, uh, then Elisha uh, sent him a messenger who said, go wash. And so uh, 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 Naaman was on his way to Elisha. And Elisha, before he gets there, Elisha sends him a messenger. And it says, uh, go wash seven times in the Jordan and your skin uh, will be restored and you will be clean. So you would think that Naaman would be uh, happy about this news, but he wasn't really. He wasn't happy with the way it was presented to him because we see in verse 11, it says, but Naaman got angry and left saying, uh, I was telling myself he will surely come out, stand and call on the name of the Lord, his God, and wave his hand over the place and cure my skin disease. So he was expecting Elisha to come out and wave his hands around and, and say some words and plead to the Lord, and then he would be healed. That's what he was expecting. That's how he was expecting to be cured. But Elisha just said, look, go dip in the water seven times in the Jordan and you'll be cool. And so... So when this didn't happen, he became indignant about, you know, how this was to go down. In verse 12, aren't, uh, so, this is, uh, so this is Naaman, the commander, saying, you know, aren't Abana and uh, Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? So now he's getting a little snooty about it. He's saying, what's so special about the Jordan? What's so special about their waters? We have rivers too, you know. He said, couldn't I wash in them and be clean? Uh, so he turned and left in a rage. So he didn't even want to do it. He was going to go back to Aram without doing what Elisha had said. But his servants convinced him to do otherwise. And so he, he went 
Yeah, it says in verse 14, so uh, Nahaman went uh, down, dipped himself in the Jordan seven times, according to the command of the man of God. Then his skin was restored and became like the skin of a small boy, and he was clean. Now, how many times do we look for a, a certain solution to a situation, and when we don't get that solution, we think that our answer has not come because it didn't come wrapped in the way that we expected it to come, but it came in a different way, and this is what happened to Naaman. The Naaman um, and his whole company went back to the man of God, stood before him and declared, I know there's no God in the whole world except in Israel. Therefore, please accept a gift from your servant. And so Naaman is like, oh, man, this is tremendous. I can't believe this is happening to me. So he's going to go back. He wants to worship the God of Elisha because he was cured. Uh, but Elisha says, no, 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 no. I'm not going to take any gift. You know, and, and and so Nahaman tried and tried to urge him. He says, no, I'm not going to do it. And so Nahaman responded, if not, please let your servant be given as much soil as a pair of mules can carry for your servant will no longer offer burnt offering or sacrifice to any other God but the Lord. And so Nahaman has been converted. He is he's turned. He says, I'm not going to do any more of this worship or sacrificing of offerings or anything except to the Lord God of Israel. And so then, um, <clears throat> so he turns away, and now he's going back home. And it's, the word says, after Naaman traveled a short distance from Elisha, uh, Gehazi, the attendant of Elisha, the man of God, thought, my master has let this Aramean Naaman off lightly by not accepting from him what, uh, what he brought. As the Lord lives, I will run after him and get something from him. So Gehazi is going behind Elisha's back. He says, look, you might not have wanted anything, any tribute or any, any kind of reward, but I'm going to go get me some. <laughs> and so, and that is exactly what he did. And so he ran after uh, the commander and he, he asked for 75 pounds of silver. And so, but Naaman said in verse 23, please accept 150 pounds. He urged Gehazi, uh, he urged Gehazi and then packed 150 pounds of silver in two bags and sent two uh, sets of clothing. And so, uh, and so Gehazi is going to go out. Now, Nahaman took 750 pounds when he went to pay tribute, but um, uh, that, and that's the amount that Elisha said, no, keep it. And so I think, you know, well, Gehazi is going to say, well, I'm just going to ask for a tenth. How about 75? And then he gives him 150. And so, uh, and so he takes it, and then Gehazi goes back uh, to where Elisha was. And then uh, it says in verse 25, Gehazi came and stood by his master. Where did you go, Gehazi? Elisha asked him. He replied, your servant didn't go anywhere. <laughs> verse 26, and my heart didn't go, and, and this is Elijah talking, and my heart didn't go when the man got down from his chariot to meet you, Elisha said. Then this time, uh, is this the time to accept silver and clothing or uh, olive orchards and vineyards, flocks and herds and male and female slaves? And so Elisha's asking him, is this the time to do this nonsense that you just did? In verse 27, therefore, Nehemiah's uh, skin disease uh, will cling to you and your descendants forever. So Gehazi went out. Uh, so Gehazi went out from his presence, diseased, resembling snow. And so he got the skin disease that Nehemiah had because he went behind Elisha's back and took some money from Gehazi when Elijah has refu had refused it. And so we go on to chapter 6. 
And there's a war that was breaking out. It says in verse 8, when the king of Aram was waging war against Israel, he conferred with his servants, my camp will be at such and such a place. In verse 9, but the man of God sent word to the king of Israel, be careful, pa uh, pla uh, be careful passing by this place for the Arameans um, are going down there. And so, um, so the king of Aram is telling his his servants and, and his subordinates, you know, this is where we're going to go camp and so and so. And, and so Elisha is telling the king of Israel, watch out, don't go that way, be careful. And so, um, and he finds himself doing this. And so the king of Aram is like, wait a minute, I must have a spy in my camp. How come they know where I'm going to be? <clears throat> and it says the man of God, um, uh, and so his servants are saying, no, 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 there's no, uh, there's no spy in this camp. It says the man of God repeatedly warned the king so that the king would be on his guard. It says in verse 11, um, the king of Aaron was enraged because of this, uh, because of this matter. And he called his servants and demanded them of them, tell me which one of, which one of us is for the king of Israel. And so in verse 12, one of his servants said, no one, my Lord, the king, Elisha, the prophet in Israel tells the king of Israel, even the words you speak in your bedroom. And so the servants are telling the king of Aaron, well, nobody has betrayed you. It's this prophet dude. He's reading your mind. He, he knows what's going to happen. And so in verse 13, it says, so the king said, go and see where he is so I can send men to capture him. So he's like, okay, well, let's go get him because we can't have this happening. We're, we're at war and, and they know my strategy and they know where I am and I can't have this. <clears throat> and so, um, and so they, the men go to, to try and get um, Elisha. And so it says in verse 15, when the servant of the man of God got up early out, he, he discovered uh, an army of horses and chariots surrounding the city. And so they went to cap. They took an army, a bunch of men to go capture Elisha, Elisha's assistant. I'm assuming that's Gehazi. Um, told him, look, we're, we're surrounded. Master, what are we going to do? It says, oh, my master, what are we to do? In verse 16, Elisha said, don't be afraid for those who are with us outnumber those who are with them. And so he's going to one that has gone out and seen this massive army surrounding the city. And he doesn't see anything that can confront this army. And so Elisha is saying, don't worry, we got more than they got. Now, how would you react if somebody told you that? But then in verse 17, it said, then Elisha prayed, Lord, please open his eyes and let him see. So the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he saw that the mountain was covered with horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. So Elisha had an army of fire soldiers and fire horses ready to do his battle. And so he prayed and he made the army uh, uh, of Aram blind and they didn't know what was going on and what was going to happen. And then the Israeli army was able to capture them because of this blindness. So we go on to verse 24. And it says, um, sometime later, King Ben-Hadad of Aram brought all his military units together and marched up and laid siege to Samaria. So there was a severe famine in Samaria, and they continued the siege against it until the donkey's head sold for 34 ounces of silver and a cup of dove's dung, <laughs> a cup of dove's dung sold for two ounces of silver. Wow, <laughs> it was a serious famine. As the king of Israel was passing by on the wall, a woman cried out to him, my lord, the king, help. So he says, what's the matter? And she says, this woman said to me, give up your son. We will eat him today. Then we will eat my son tomorrow. So we boiled my son and ate him. And then I, um, 
And then I said to her the next day, the next day, give up your son and we will eat him. But she has hidden her son. See, so they ate her son. So now we're into cannibalism now because they're hungry. The famine is raging. They ate her son, but not uh, the other woman's son. And then it says, when the king, in verse 30, when the king heard the woman's words, he tore his clothes. Uh, then as he was passing by the wall, the people saw that there was sackcloth under his clothes um, and next to his skin. He announced, may God punish me and do so severely if the head of Elisha remains on his shoulders today. So the famine had gotten so bad that they had turned to can cannibalism. And so the king of Israel was blaming Elisha for this. And so he says, I'm going to kill him because it's his fault. <clears throat> and so uh, we go on to verse 33 and says, this is this disaster. From, so, so what happens is the king sends uh, a messenger to Elisha. And then uh, he says, he's at Elisha's house. This disaster uh, is from the Lord. Why should I wait for the Lord any longer? In chapter seven, verse one, Elisha replied, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord says about this time tomorrow at Samaria's gate. Six quarts of fine flour will sell for a half ounce of silver and 12 quarts of barley will sell for half an ounce of silver. In other words, he's saying tomorrow there's going to be an abundance. This famine is going to be over. There's going to be abundance that the prices of things are just going to plunder, you know. And so instead of, uh, you know, paying for a donkey's head and for dove's dung, you know, there's going to be barley. There's going to be flour and the price is going to be low. And so the captain doesn't believe him. <clears throat> And then uh, the story switches a little bit and it goes to uh, verse three and it says, now four men with a skin disease were at the entrance of the city gate. They said to each other, why just sit here until we die? If we say, let's go into the city, we will die there because the famine is in the city. But if we sit here, uh, we will also die. So now come on, let's surrender to the Arameans uh, camp. If they let us live, we will live. If they kill us, we will die. And so you have four men with skin disease sitting at the city gate, and they're saying, look, we don't have any real good options. We don't have any food. If we go into the city, we're going to die. If we go into the enemy's camp, we're going to die. So let's at least let's give us a chance. Let's go into the enemy's camp. They have some food. Maybe they'll feed us. If they don't, they'll kill us. We're going to be dead anyway. And so that's what they did. Uh, then they came to the camp's edge and discovered that uh, no one was there. Verse 6, for the Lord had caused the Aramean camp to hear the sound of chariots, horses, and a large army. The, the, Aramean, the Arameans had said to each other, the king of Israel must have hired the, king, the kings of the Hittites and the kings of Egypt to attack us. So they had gotten up and fled at, 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 um, at twilight, abandoning their tents, horses, and donkeys. Uh, the camp was intact, and they fled for their lives. And so they had gotten up. They thought they heard a, 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 an approaching enemy army. They got up and they booked. You know, they left and they left everything. They ran for their lives and they left everything behind, all the food, everything, that, all the provisions that they had brought. And so these four men with skin disease just started raking it in. <laughs> and then they started saying, telling each other, look, this isn't right. We got to tell the, the king of Israel what the deal is so the people can feed. So they went, they told the king what was happening, and then... It says in verse 16, then the people went out and plundered the Aramean camp. Uh, it was then that six quarts of fine flour sold for half an ounce of silver and 12 quarts of barley sold for half an ounce of silver, according to the word of the Lord that Elisha has spoken. And so Elijah prophesied this is what was going to happen. And that's exactly what had happened. We go on to verse or excuse me, chapter eight. And it says, um, Elisha said to the woman, um, 
whose son he had restored to life. And so in a previous episode, or yesterday I believe it was, Elisha restored uh, this dead woman's son back to life. And so he went back to her and he said, uh, get ready, you and your household, and go live as a resident alien wherever you can. For the Lord has announced a seven-year famine, and it has already come to the land. And so, obviously, they had developed a relationship over this time. You know, he saved her son. He brought him back to life. And so he's warning her, look, a famine is coming. Go, <clears throat> you know, find yourself somewhere else to live so that you can survive. And so that's what she did. And then in verse 3, it says, When the woman returned from the land of the Philistines at the end of the seven years, she went to appeal to the king for her house and field. So she went away for seven years. She, she's coming back. She wants to reclaim her stuff. So she goes to the king. The king had um, been speaking to Gehazi, the attendant of the man of God, saying, tell me all the great things Elisha has done. So the king is talking to Gehazi, wanting to know everything that Elijah had, had done. And it says, while he was telling the king how Elisha restored the dead son to life, the woman whose son had um, he had restored to life came to appeal to the king for a house or field, for her house and field. And so while Gehazi is talking to the king, telling him what Elisha had done with this woman and her son, she comes wanting to reclaim her house and her field. And the king restores not only her house or in her field, but gives her all the money over the seven-year period uh, 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 where she was gone. Give, gives her all the money that was made uh, by that property over that seven-year period while she was done. And so, like a lot of stories in the Bible, I ask myself, well, why is this in here? What, you know, what, what's the purpose here? And we can see here that, uh, you know, I believe that, in, and this is just my opinion, but I believe that uh, she had, out of the, 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 the graciousness of her heart, took care of God's servant, Elisha. She was just wanted to take care of him when he was on his journeys, and she provided a room for him and this, that, and the other. And out of that relationship came some blessings. She, her son was, she got a son, first of all, then her son was restored to life. And now she, she, now we see that she has escaped the famine and she has recovered her property. And so I believe there's a lesson there with regard to how we treat God's people. In verse seven of chapter eight, we see that Elisha came to Damascus while King Ben-Hadad of Aaron was sick, of Aram was sick. And the king was told, the man of God has come here. So the king said to uh, Hazael, take a gift with you and go meet the man of God. Inquire of the Lord through him. Will I recover from the sickness? So the king of Aram is sick. And so he said, send for the man of God and, and ask him, am I going to recover or what's going to happen? And so Elisha uh, comes to him, or Elisha you know, meets the Hazael. And in verse 10, Elisha told him, said, go say to him, go say to the king, you are sure to recover, but the Lord has shown me that um, he is sure to die. So he's going to recover from this illness, but he's going to die. In verse 11, then he stared steadily at him, him being Hazael, uh, until he was ashamed. The man of God wept, and Hazael asked, why is my Lord weeping? He replied, because I know the evil you will do to the people of Israel. You will set their uh, fortress on fire. You will kill their young men with the sword, and you will dash their children to pieces. You will rip open their pregnant women. In verse 13, Hazael said, How could your servant, a mere dog, do such a mighty deed? Elisha answered, The Lord has shown me that you will be king over Aram. Um, Hazael left Elijah and went to his master, who asked him, What did Elisha say to you? He responded, He told me, You are sure to recover. He didn't tell him the second part that you're going to die. 
In verse uh, 15, the next day, Hazael took a heavy cloth, dipped it in the water, and spread it over the king's face. Ben-Hadad died, and Hazael reigned in his place. In verse uh, 16, in the fifth year of Israel's uh, king Joram, a son of Ahab, uh, Jehoram, son of Jehoshaphat, um, became king in Judah, replacing his father. In verse 17, he was 32 years old when he became king, and he reigned eight years in Jerusalem. He walked in the ways of the kings of Israel. Now, this is the king of Judah. And if, if my memory serves me correct, he is a Jehoram is the first evil king in Judah. You know, since David, all of the kings, uh, well, actually, since, since uh, Solomon, all of the kings in Judah had been good kings insofar as they followed the Lord and the kings of the north. They're the ones who went the evil route. But Jehoram here seems to be the first one who has gone to the dark side. It says, he walked in the ways of the kings of Israel as the house of Ahab had done, for Ahab's daughter was his wife. Here we have another woman leading a man down the wrong path. Now, a man has to agree to it, you know, so the, all the blame can't go on the woman. But here we see that these guys are being led to the slaughter, essentially. And he did what was evil in the Lord's sight. It says in verse 24, Jehoram rested with his fathers and was buried with his fathers in the city of David, and his son uh, Ahaziah became king in his place. In verse 25, in the, 20, in the 12th year of Israel's king Jehoram, son of Ahab, uh, Ahaziah, son of Jehoram, became king of Judah. Ahaziah was 22 years old when he became king, and he reigned one year in Jerusalem. He walked in the ways of those uh, he walked in the ways of the house of Ahab and did what was evil in the Lord's sight, like the house of Ahab, for his father had married into the house of Ahab. So his old man married into the house of Ahab, and therefore that evil now uh, had a seed in the, in, the, in the kingdom of Judah. And now we see that, 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 that seed being fermented and growing in Judah. And so these little seeds, they can grow. And when they grow, they spread. And that's why we have to keep a watch out for those little sins that we tolerate. Because we think, well, how bad can this be? Well, that sucker can grow and spread. And with that, we will see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.